The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 372. I have a returning guest to the show, a good person I get to chat to once in a while on, on behind the scenes in the DMs and whatnot. He, uh, he enjoys golf. He enjoys the Warriors and the uh, other Bay Area sports like the A's. But uh, you can find his work over at Rotowire and the wonderful Sunday Night Rotowire podcast, which Jeff Erickson, the one, the only, Scott Jen said, how are we doing, my friend? Good, Bubba. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. I was excited to do it. I know we tried to we talked about doing it in April and it was just kind of packed and busy. So I'm yeah. glad I'm glad we found a day to do it. I'm looking forward to talking to baseball. Yeah, always fun talking with you. So looking forward to it. Uh, things are good. Things are good. Uh, bef- before we uh, get started, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and your other new project you're working on? Yeah, so we have uh, we have the Sunday night slash Monday morning, depending on what part of the country you live in. Uh, fantasy baseball podcast at RotoWire. Me and Jeff Erickson, kind of uh, you know talking about Fab every week, talking about all the injuries on the weekend, which has been kind of a a ton of them recently. So it's been uh, there's been too many injuries to talk about, but uh, kind of the way it's uh, it's gone so far in 2021. And we just talk about talk about the weekend, talk about uh, kind of preview the week before, and then uh, Jeff and I and are also doing a uh, a golf podcast called Gaming Golf on RotoWire with uh, with Jeff Ritter from Morning Read, who used to uh, he's been a golf journalist for like 20 years, so he's got a lot of cool insights and stuff so talking dfs talking betting kind of talking uh, general golf stuff so it's been fun we're just kind of starting to get that going i'm starting to get a feel for it and uh, i think it's uh, it's been fun so we're just kind of trying to build that audience and, uh, and see how that goes and see if the uh, see if the desire for uh, for golf for more golf is there i know there's a lot of stuff out there right now but it's it's been fun yeah there's a lot of stuff but it's good because it's, it's funny you know three four maybe three years ago even it was all fantasy baseball, fantasy football, and some yep. other stuff. There was no golf, but now it looks like we all love golf. It's yeah. all out there, so it's yeah. it's pretty fun. D- DFS has just changed that world so much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just so perfectly built for golf. There's some people, people, I actually play in an auction golf league that's season long that's really fun, but wow. for the most part, it's uh, I, I know it's pretty heavy DFS, and the one and duns are becoming really yeah. popular too. So it's been uh, it's been fun to see it uh, see it pick up. 
Yeah, it's fun. Um, I, in some of the chat rooms, I, I've run the the guys came in there to play football and uh, baseball, and they're like, "Oh, we'll try golf." You guys talk about golf, and they're like, "This is the best four days ever." Like, <laughs> yeah, I get to awesome. one at least two days of sweating. Yeah, or, or you know, your other sports, it could be over within like a blow up inning for your pitcher or something. Yeah. So it's like, you're like, at least I get like a couple days of entertainment out of this. So Although as a, as a Daniel Berger owner this yes. weekend, I think it might be a, it might be a one day tournament for me too this weekend. You and me, you and me both, my friend. You and me both. <laughs> that was the, one of those that just stung quite a bit but uh let's talk some fantasy baseball here before we get to the recent news as uh, you mentioned it's always injuries because that's all we have these days we're at the quarter point of the season and it's kind of fun to look at which players to add and drops and all these different things going on with injuries and all the good stuff but there's more to it than just that there's like starting to look at your stats they're starting to see where you're at in standings and you're a very very experienced nfbc player so you've seen it all pretty much done it all for the most part even though it always seems like there's something new but um what kind of approach do you take now that we're at the quarter mark with your teams trying to like kind of maybe gain steam or, or maintain where you are, stuff like that? Yeah, it's a really good topic because it's something that I that I go into pretty deeply. I uh, at like the quarter point, halfway, and then like a, you know three quarter point. I take a a pretty deep inventory of I play like I have like four NFBC teams. I, I take a look at all of them, uh, both in respect to like where I am in categories, and it's important to like if I'm you know tenth in home runs, but I'm you know three home runs from third. That's a lot different than if I'm like tenth and buried. So it's a it's really key. I think a lot of us look at points so like oh I have five points of home runs is a problem, but like looking at actually where you are in each category is really important. Right? There's a lot of we're only a quarter of the way in. There's a lot of stats that are bunched up, that kind of thing right now. So it's uh, it's important. I take a look at each team, kind of see what uh, what categories I need, what positions I maybe I'm weak in. It's also important to look at, like, you know, maybe your guy in the 14th round that you liked six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, is, is, is not maybe not an every week play. So maybe that's a guy that you want to uh, you want to platoon, you want to do some fringe stuff with. So I think it's important to uh, to look at guys and kind of make sure that you're not taking your draft uh, valuation and doing it now because so, so much has changed. There's a there's some players like that that I notice I'm starting every week and just not even thinking about it that much. And, you know, at the quarter point, I kind of try and figure maybe it's time now for me to bench this guy, maybe thinking about talking about dropping somebody or at least adding someone to platoon. And then I also look at, uh, you know, where I'm at the standings and I kind of look at uh, where I am and what, what I could do the next quarter. So I'm like, if I'm 40 points behind the league, like I'm not going to gain those 40 points in the next week. So I think it's important to kind of figure out by, you know, say June 1st, I want to cut that lead in half. I want to get, you know, I want to, uh, I want to make a move in home runs and RBIs and, and, and kind of figure out where I need to be. So I kind of try and set miniature goals for the next six to eight weeks and try and figure out. So I think it, it's important to take, take small chunks and try and figure out because it, it can be overwhelming if you're really far behind to like, you can't just can't gain that many points in, in a quarter. You know, if you if you build yourself a big hole, um, it's a problem. But you kind of if you're 30 points back, you know, gain 10 points before June 1st, then figure it out. So I I really do a lot to kind of try to figure out where I am, where I need to go and where I want to get in the next six to eight weeks is kind of I'm looking at it in, in kind of chunk quarters of the season. That's a very good point, because, yeah, you're not going to gain it all at once, but yeah. you start chunking away at it. And, you know, there's been a lot of stories. I know Rob Silver talks about it and others. You know, he was almost what, in last place or 10th place or something with the year he won the main event. And then you just keep plowing away at it type thing like you're saying so that's a, that's a very good point because a lot of people are already like it's football season they're already like screw it i'm out it's football season i'm like no you got a, you got a long ways to go here and you also brought up another good point that i made a joke about the other day is it is still so bunched up because i've been getting crushed like many others with the gilitos and the castillos of the world that are just like blowing up ratios yeah yep. they both had kind of decent starts from a statistical standpoint like gilito had a great start yeah he did. but castillos was it statistically worked out yeah. um and all of a sudden, you just you jumped like a few points in each thing real quick just by two good starts. Same, you could maybe move some more as the season goes on. You're not completely dead in the waters, as some would think. Uh, so that's a very, very good point. 
I got to ask you this question because I know you talk about Sixto Sanchez a lot on your show. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you because you've held on to him, but you have your philosophy you've talked about on there as well. When do you finally say, you know what, I can't keep holding these guys with all the injuries we have? Um, and everyone's case by case differently. I get yes. it. But when, yeah. do, when do you start saying like, you know what, I need this roster spot for maybe platooning with that guy I ran out every week that I maybe shouldn't right. run out every week now? Yeah, so if it was if it was June first and he had the injury, I would have dropped him. Like with four months left and he was out two months, I would have dropped him. But the start of the season, you know, I made a I, I really like him, so that, that that kind of goes into a lot of it. I, I think he's really a fun guy to watch, and I, I love the, the the strikeout upside. Plus, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. I really like that young guy. Uh, my theory him on him has been if I hear about a setback, I'm dropping him. So right now he's he's throwing from further distance, kind of back it up. They're talking about June. Um, so if I'll go, I'll go for that. And if it, but if I hear about one setback at this point, then he's a drop at that point. If you're like, you know, he's he's not going to pitch for two weeks. It's it suddenly I got to do it at that point. It's been, it's it's hard right now. Like my problem, I think with him is going to be when he comes back, how much does he throw? Like if they're going to bring him back and like throw two, three innings for three weeks, and then suddenly you're like, oh, I missed three months. So it's like, it's going to be tough. But I mean, if they if they take three full months of him, you know, I don't know if we're going to get, we weren't going to get 180 innings at him anyway. So, you know, if we're going to get, if we're thinking 120, 130 innings, when, if he's going to be healthy, they're going to, you know, probably skip a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, maybe we get that compacted into three and a half months and maybe you get 90 to 100 innings. And I think it still works out, but um, it's at the edge right now. I mean, it, it could it could turn out to be a really bad hold, and if he has a setback, like suddenly I wasted a roster spot for two months. So um, there's been a couple weeks where I thought about it. I had a, I had one week where I had a bunch of injuries, and he was like he was right on the verge. And if there the if there had been someone I really wanted, he probably would have been that cut. So I'm holding for right now, um, but it's uh, it's it's close. It's not uh, like a month ago I was like I'm gonna wait till he comes back, and now it's if I hear any sort of setback, he's gone. Um, or if I suddenly get a bunch of injuries at once, which I had, and then I kind of I kind of survived that, and a few guys are back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it needs to be, it needs to be pretty soon. We're at May 20th and he's probably gonna be pitching by the middle of June for it to work out. Yeah, no. And I, I just used him cause you've mentioned him a lot, but like there's, you know, there's Wander Franco is a guy that people are stashing. Yep. Um, you know, what if that's another month or two, is that really worth the hold type thing? There's, there's so many of those kind of questions. I can eat up. I mean, they're going to be like, Oh, we're calling up Wander Franco. And now it's going <laughs> to cost you a fortune to bring him back. That just never yep. fails. So, um, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, but, um, the other thing I would suggest, or I ask, I should say, when you're trying to chip away at some of these points, as you said, do you prefer focusing on certain stats over others? Well, do you think that certain stats are easier to get than others, I should say? Because, you know, ratios are ratios, but do you, like, yeah. attack certain things differently? And it's a good point because you can you can get in the problem, like, it's been, you know, eight weeks or whatever, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm getting killed in steals. All of a sudden, you throw a bunch of steals guys in there, and you start to tank in home runs and RBI. So you have to really – you have to realize that we got a lot of time left. So you want to chip – if it's steals, you're behind. You want to chip away. You don't need to get – three guys that all they do is run and they don't do anything else. Cause then you're just going to hurt yourself elsewhere. So it's kind of, I, I think chipping away is a good way to say it. You want to, you don't want to take a chunk, but I think you got to be really careful ratios and batting average are the ones you really don't want to fall behind in. Cause it's just so hard to catch up. Cause it's just, if you get behind in steals or wins or saves, you can try and find a way to like, just, just amass those. Like if you can wins or K's throw a bunch of two star guys, but if you get behind in ratios, like suddenly it's just hard to find guys for ratios. You can find guys for everything else, but if you get behind the ratios, you're picking up guys and you all of a sudden you get a you get a Gomber outing or a a Daniel Lynch outing or Logan Gilbert. Like, oh, I'm gonna pick up Logan Gilbert to catch up in ratios. Like, that's worked out terribly. Rookie pitchers have been a disaster getting called up so far. It's been rough. Um, but so I think that uh, you know, if you're behind the ratios, that's something you gotta focus on right away. Make sure that you're not you're not throwing guys out there that to just get stuff. You just I, if I'm behind the ratios right now, that's that's big time. I focus the next two months to try and get to a point where at least I'm middle of the pack, and then maybe attack everything else. But those those ratio categories, that batting orange category, is stuff that I just don't want to get behind it. Yeah, the ratios ones, like in the pitching ratio side of it, it's almost like 
you start I almost want to get pickier with who I'm pitching, yeah. but at the same but at the same time then you might be losing out on K's and wins. It's like such a tough, tough it dynamic is. to put it out is. there, but it's like we, the dilemma we had this this week. Luis Castillo, do you start him in the two start week? Well, he survived the first one, and yeah. you were tweeting it out, and it was true. The balls that were in play were hit extremely hard, yeah, so it's were. like, ugh, like where do, where are we sitting on this one? Yeah, someone, was, someone was like, "Oh, he got bad up to death," and I looked it up. I'm like, well, he like yeah. five of the hit, five of the six hits were over 95, and three yeah. of them were over 100. Like he was striking guys out and getting swings and mitches. It's really good because he was not getting that for for the yeah. first whatever seven starts of the year, but. Still got a lot of heart. I mean, it was still, it was like, you're like, oh, it was really good. And then you're looking, you're like nine base runners in five innings. So yep. suddenly it was like, oh, well, a lot of good and better than it was, but still not what we're looking for from a second round pick. Yeah, it was more glass half full for once, but it's still yeah. like we're, we're barely half full still. So it's <laughs> like, sure. on, let's yeah. go with that. Um, but yeah, that's a fun discussion. I, I'd be curious to see where we, you know, if this conversation takes place in like four or five more weeks and where we sit on that kind of uh, chipping away and everything or panic right. mode setting in situations. Oh, but, at some point it does. And if you play in like yeah. an overall competition, I think at some point you have to make a realistic decision that I'm not going to compete in the overall. I really got to focus on my league. And you can kind of be sneaky there. Like if you're, if you're, you know, whatever, you're 20 saves behind getting a point, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not competing for the overall. I can kind of stick where I am in saves and focus everywhere else. Where if an overall, you know, I get, you got to keep getting okay. saves. I, I usually wait till June before I really look at that. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, so much of the money goes to an overall competition. You want to still, you know, keep that in mind and not and try and find some balance there. But, you know, make sure if you do play an overall and you're kind of out of that in June that you really focus on league because you can make runs in league. Uh, that you don't think about because you can kind of you can kind of really uh, you can kind of be really sneaky with the points there and and figure out where you can gain and where you can't and kind of really really attack certain categories. Hundred percent, it's a very very good point. And obviously, we won't go into the depths of it, but obviously, different in fifteen and twelves as well. So you, you can you can mix and match stuff there, and we'll kind of get into fifteen and twelves later, but we'll save it for that. Uh, let's talk about some recent news here, and it's not the fun stuff, but maybe we can speculate on some stuff at the same time. Uh, Mike Trout's out six to eight weeks, calf injury. You're not dropping Mike Trout. I don't think like you're just not doing it, but unless you're super desperate, would you ever see a scenario where you're dropping Mike Trout? Uh, Out eight weeks on May 20th. No, there, I mean, it have to be insane injuries, but I still think I, I'd probably eat some zeros or drop. I mean, there's so many other guys. If you have a bunch of injuries, you could drop instead Um, out eight weeks. You're getting them back. Let's go at the end of the eight weeks. You're getting them back at the all-star break. Like, that's two and a half months of Mike Trout. Like, there's no way I'm getting rid of that. Yeah, that's still amazing. He might not steal, but we weren't really yeah. counting steals to begin with. So yeah. uh, we're good there. But the question I have here, the outfield situation, like Taylor Ward should get much more playing time. He went deep on Thursday. Do you think we uh, – or should you go aggressive at Ward? Do you think we maybe get Adele or Marsh? Like, how would you approach it going into Fab this Sunday with the Angel situation? It's weird. In one of my main events, I kind of had a, a dead spot, and there was nobody really to pick up. And I threw Adele in there, obviously not knowing that Trout was going to get hurt, just because he was a, he got dropped the week before. I'm like, I'm just going to throw a couple bucks on him. You never know what happens. You know, maybe Taylor Ward hits a slump. Maybe someone gets hurt. I didn't think it was me, Trout, obviously, yeah. but. I don't know with Adele. I just don't think – I don't know if he's shown he's ready. Everybody's like, oh, he's got the four home runs and two stolen bases in, in, in AAA, and he's hitting a little bit. But he's hitting 231 with a 37% K rate. And the K rate's really the problem. What was it, 42% last year when he got called up? And, and he struggled last year. And there's a lot of guys that – really good players that come up and struggle. I mean, it happens – I mean, look at Mike Trout. His first time up, yep. he was he, he really struggled. But I just think he's got to show a little bit of improvement in that care for the Angels to want to bring him up. And they just, I mean, if they really wanted to bring him up, the second Trout got hurt, they just would have brought him up the next day. They didn't do that. Um, you know, Brandon Marsh was a guy that uh, if he gets called up, you know, stolen base, if you need stolen base, he had 18 stolen bases in 2019 in double A. But 
They both feel pretty raw to me right now. Um, I think, uh, I think, I don't know who they're going to call up first, but Taylor Ward is the guy. He's 27. He's playing every day. You look at 2019. I know that uh, the the ball was insanely juiced in the minors in 2019, even more than the majors, but 27 home runs, 11 stolen bases. Like you see, you can see some speed power combo. Um, So far he's hit some home runs, but not really hitting for a lot of average and whatever 55 plate appearances or so. But he seems to be a guy that get playing time, but to be honest, he doesn't really excite me a lot. He just kind of feels like a, a journeyman guy that if you need at bats in a deeper league, sure. But I'm not really going aggressively to attack him. Yeah, he's the deeper league idea. It's uh, I love the comments you make on um, your Sunday night show with Jeff. Is in a 15 team league, the outfield is just like a barren it's, cupboard. It's, it's so bad. Yeah. Like every like Thursday or Friday when I start trying to you know plan my fabs, I'm just like I yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. Just, yeah. I had a week. I had a week two weeks ago. Where I needed two outfielders. I had two guys like Alex Dickerson got hurt and someone else. Mm-hmm. And finding two was I was like, oh my god, this is it. Just you're you're picking guys that play three times a week or guys that play every day that are terrible. Like it's, I mean, you're starting what is that seventy five outfielders starting in a league like that? Plus everybody's got one or two on the bench. I mean, suddenly you're looking at you know ninety five outfielders rostered. It's 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 rough out there. Yeah, I I had that same scenario two weeks ago in the Barf League, and I picked up Kai Tom and Jake Bowers. So that tells you where we're at. That tells you yeah. like where if it's at. If you're picking up Jake Bowers, you know that we're at the end of the rope for a fish. Yes, but he got dropped this week for Darren Ruff, and that one's working out pretty oh, well. Oh, nice. So hey, I, got, hey. I got lucky there. Speaking of which, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. <laughs> you mentioned Darren Ruff. What the hell is up with your Giants, man? Now, every time I'm like, oh, here we go. It's finally time for them to tank. They score 19 runs, or Gossman throws another shutout. Descafani throws another shutout. Um, are you allowing yourself to get excited about the Giants yet? Yes, I, um, right, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to, to throw my sarcastic Dodger tweets because I've been fully transparent. I have a oh, bunch of Dodger fans don't, here. Don't, here. Don't, don't, don't poke that bear yet. No, no, I, I find out to all my friends here. I'm like, I'm enjoying this now because I fully expect you to win the West when this is right. all said and done. Like, I'm not clueless on this scenario. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it until then. Like, they announced. No, but they, if, I, if I told you a month ago the shoe hadn't dropped yet, you would have been like, oh, oh I, I'll, I'll yeah. sign up for that for sure. Hey, we're. I, I could see at least the all-star break being somewhat interesting. Yeah, like, for sure. So that, that part's new. They actually hit the baseball like regularly. This yeah. platoon team they built actually makes sense. Um, I'm just concerned about the pitching. All it takes is a couple injuries. Like Logan yeah. Webb just got hurt. They don't even know who they're bringing up yet. And it's just like, you know, Wood's going to be due for an IL stint at some point. Cueto, probably another one. It's just that's going to be the navigating part. It's going to be very tricky because that bullpen's they... bad. They certainly know what they're doing with starters, though. I mean, everybody, everybody they roll in, and it's not just the park anymore because, I mean, the Giants hit in that park. But uh, they clearly are, whether it be pitching coach or, you know, development or spring training stuff, I mean, they clearly are they're clearly really uh, really building guys well right now. Yeah, well, they're taking the guys from Cincinnati, and then they're just throwing yeah. them in this ballpark. It's been pretty nice yeah. the last couple of years. So, uh, Sonny Gray, if you're available, come on over. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like, I, I was looking forward to just kind of wading through this season. Over $100 million comes off the books next year, and then another, yeah. like, $40 million the next year. And I'm like, okay, then we'll have some fun. Yeah, but, but too, too bad that suddenly Buster Posey and, and, and Brandon Crawford are worth their contracts. Like, it, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's, it's insane. Posey it's looks fun, like though. he's an MVP again. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it while I can. Should. Yeah. But it's uh, – I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop in a big way. Fair um, enough. While we're on the Angels real quick, I didn't have it on the outline, but it kind of took place last night. Um, Shohei Otani's velocity dropped tremendously in that yeah. start, and there's been no reports of anything wrong with him. He's, he was hitting in, in Thursday's games like he's playing, but that was a massive drop. Like, What level of concern do you have? Because I'm sitting there going, oh, no. It was weird because I, I saw it on Twitter. Someone was like, oh, he's throwing 89. I'm like, oh, that can't be right. So I flipped on the game, and all of a sudden he's throwing a fastball. The first fastball of the inning I watched was 89. And I was like, oh, that's weird. But I guess the only good thing is like he started at 89. Yeah. It wasn't like he was throwing 96 and all of a sudden it dropped really quickly, which I guess is a good thing. But 
And the announcers were like, oh, he's just pitching. And I was like, yeah, that's not how this works. No. But I don't know. They're talking about dead arm. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, but uh, I, I'm worried just because he's so great for baseball. Yeah. Like, I've always said that I, I would love to see him just hit just because I don't want I, I love watching him pitch. But I just don't want him to get hurt more than anything. Yeah. I just, you know, I, he's such a good hitter. And in 2019, I mean, he was, uh, what do you get, 285 with 18 home runs. And mm-hmm. the year before, he had 20. You could just tell that if he got just locked in hitting. I do like they're hitting him, you know, day after he pitches, day before he pitches. That's been a lot of fun. Whereas my concern was like it was going to be three, four days a week hitting, but yeah. uh, it has to be concerning though. I mean, the guy's throwing every all his pitches are like six mile an hour slower. So I guess I guess the next start will tell us a lot probably. Yeah, the, the one thing I've said forever that they need to just do with him is play him in the field and then make him your closer. Bring him into the be, ninth. It'd be like, nasty. How fun! I guess is it hard? I, I guess warming up would be the issue, but yeah, that it'd be like the old little league days. Hey, go over there, throw in, yeah, get right. loose. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I guess I guess when they hit, he go warm up really quick. But then yeah. if it's, it's just it's hard to do. But man, him coming out of the pen, throwing ninety nine, come after he, after he hit a bomb that day would be so fun. That's what I want to see. But uh, let's go to the Mets. Meet the Mets. Uh, Taiwan oh. Walker goes to the IL. Carlos Carrasco has no idea when he's going to throw again. That was the exact words in the quote. That was um, throw off a mound again, right? M- yes, off okay. a mound again. So he's throwing um, just off flat ground, which is yeah, not which great. Is not yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jacob DeGrom had a rehab start on Thursday, throwing almost 102. Looked great against a, a single-A team. Did you see that line? He has three innings, eight Ks. <laughs> how, how awesome do you feel about that if you're the guy that made contact, though? Uh, you feel like a superstar. Like, like, where's my promotion? If you're a single-A <laughs> and you're the one guy didn't K, like, you're, you're talking crap the rest of the season right there. Uh, Someone made one of the best tweets. Um, they said, yeah, it's pretty cool seeing DeGrom throw 102 against single-A pitchers, especially when they get paid so much for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, And then you have Syndergaard their rehab start four innings look decent, yeah. so he's back soon. What are you doing with the Mets, though? That's like it's tough right now. It is. I mean, it's funny. You look at like roster resource and they have two guys in the rotation right now and just three, three red spots of, I don't know who's pitching essentially. I was actually, I was really, uh, I was kind of optimistic about Syndergaard. I did not think he was going to throw four innings in that re- in that rehab start. He, he was throwing 93, 95. People were worried about that, but he's ramping up. I think that's a pretty good sign. You know, you get into a regular game, you ramp that up a little bit more. That's, I think it's pretty good. He struck out six guys in that start. So um, if you're looking for one, a silver lining there, it's Syndergaard. I mean, the DeGrom thing's scary. Like, he's throwing so hard, but it seems like, you know, getting through five or six might be a little tough right now. And then, you know, they probably brought him back maybe a couple days too soon when he got hurt the first time. But the Carrasco thing's weird. Like, it was going to be yeah. three weeks, then it was going to be five weeks, then people were drafting him. Like, if I, as long as I get him, you know, May 10th, I'm good with that. And and we're at May 20th. He's not throwing up a mound yet. Like, it's really strange for what is it? It's a hamstring injury, right? I think so. But with yeah. him, like, he had a dead arm for a while. And it's yeah. the hamstring. You never know what Carrasco is the bad part. It's too bad because he's just so good. And I really like yep. the guy. But yeah, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm in a, like a 12 team league right now, it's going to be hard to keep holding it if you've been hanging on. It's just uh, not throwing up a mound means we're what? You know, probably a couple weeks away of him kind of getting everything ramped up. Then a couple more rehab starts. You got to talk that. You got to think it. All star break, probably. Yeah. Best case we're looking at four or five weeks and that's like mm-hmm. absolute best case yeah it's not good yeah. uh speaking of cinder guard though like uh, a guy like uh framber valdez he just threw a rehab start for three innings, so he's coming back pretty soon cinder guards coming back soon um obviously you're gonna start putting feelers out for them in leagues where you can add them potentially yeah but with with these injured guys that you know are coming back like how how sneaky do you try to get grabbing like how far out in advance do you try grabbing these guys 
like it's a terrible answer, but usually not soon enough for me. Like yeah. I was, I, I literally crossed them off draft sheets. I wasn't going to wait until, cause it's just like, cause someone like Syndergaard looks great now, but if he had had one setback in May, suddenly, you know, that's a wasted pick. Yeah. Um, the Valdez thing is weird. Like Dusty Baker's quotes about him are weird. Like he's like, Oh, it's a miracle. He's, he's with us. And I'm like, he didn't almost die. Like we're talking yeah, about a hand injury. Like, finger. <laughs> like he talks about it. Like it's a modern miracle of the guys like standing. It's so strange. Dusty's had some weird quotes this year. Yes, but, he is. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's what he's thrown. He's thrown three innings in, in AAA, you said. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for Framber if he's he's probably yeah. picked up in every league. But if, yeah, if you're in a 12-team or a 10-teamer, uh, I'd probably grab him right now just in case. I don't know what's going to look like. And if it, if Syndergaard's available anywhere, I'd, I'd certainly pick him up now, but it's probably too late. I guess the best question for this, because those two guys are probably, like you said, grabbed. What about a guy like Chris Sale? Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to ask about Sale. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm anti, not I'm not touching him. Yeah. I'm still nervous, but I don't think so. And I think, you know, it's sale. I think they got to be uber cautious about him when he comes back. Um, yeah, my answer is probably not right now, which means that I'll probably not be soon enough when it, when people do go for the rush to pick him up. Uh, he's He's been available. In my, you know, I'd go through my 12 teamers. I look at percentage owned and he always comes up there. You know, I think he's, you know, middle of the pack, 40 or 50% owned. So he always comes up as a guy that I see and uh, I'm never really in on the bidding. So there's probably gonna be someone that's going to spec a little sooner than I am. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Michael Pineda to the IEL, and this was a weird one too. It's like, oh, he's going to miss his day on his get pushed back a day yeah. because of a procedure, and now it's like he's on the IEL because of a procedure. It's really, really bizarre. But um, it did open the door for uh, Lewis Thorpe to get a start today on Thursday. Went four innings, four runs, but only one earned, no strikeouts. Is this a guy that's interested you? Because he's got kind of prospect pedigree, but not the best of starts. Yeah, and I looked at like 2019 AAA. It's, it's hard with prospects here because we don't have any 2020 yeah. stats to look at. And like guys could have had huge growth at the alternate side or guys could have kind of looked flat. We just don't know. Uh, I looked at 2019 uh, AAA, didn't really get excited. They had a four and a half ERA. He did have a, a pretty good strikeout rate and a good walk rate. So maybe there's a little bit of flash there. Uh, but he's pitched 14 innings so far in the bigs. He has five strikeouts. He had zero strikeouts today. I'm a little uh, I'm a little gun shy on rookie pitchers right now after after the, the experiments we talked about earlier with Lynch and Gilbert. So uh, probably someone I'll have in like a deeper league as a as a conditional. I have to look at who he faces next week, but it, it probably won't be a, won't be a target for me. I guess I should have asked you earlier. Um, Lynch is obviously back in AAA. Gilbert, I think they're going to give a much longer leash than Lynch got in Kansas City just because they finally brought him up. But you never know. Like if you went and got Gilbert and hope maybe you didn't break the bank on Gilbert. Is he potentially on the chopping block for you this week? Uh, I'm probably going to give him another week. Yeah. It's funny though. You like you watch him and like it's, I use the Shane McClanahan comp. Like you watch yeah. that start against the A's and you're like, oh my god, this guy looks awesome. And whether you know there's some things here and there and he walks some guys, but you, like you looked at the stuff, you're like, I can see this guy dominating or having really good starts. You watch Gilbert and it hasn't been there. Like it's no. uh, it hasn't been like you're like it's not like he's struggling. You're like, but but I see it where you see with a lot of guys. Um. I'm probably going to hold for a week or two. The minor league numbers have been so good. So you got to figure there's something there, but he just doesn't, he hasn't looked ready so far, but if uh, if I picked him up, I'm probably, I'm going to probably wait one more week, one more start. He gets shelled again. I'm probably, I'm probably not starting him this week, but uh, I'm probably going to move on if he gets, uh, gets hit hard once more. Yeah. hundred percent with you. Very, very much hesitant to start him. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, and I won't even ask you, but there's a, uh, I just totally blanked on his name, but, in Atlanta, there's going to be an opening there. It's either going to be Wilson or the uh, I think it was Davidson or something that started a couple days ago. And he was actually pretty decent, so I'm curious to watch that one unfold. But um, let's go to Minnesota, where Alex Kirilov is rehabbing, and he was awesome right before he got hurt. Yeah, which really stunk. And apparently, I didn't realize it at first. He was a reaggravation of a previous wrist injury, which is always concerning. But he's already hit two home runs now in rehab in about three games. Trevor Larnick went deep on Thursday night to make things a little more interesting because he was kind of scuffling to getting things going. 
I'd imagine Kirilov comes back and it's his job. That's my thought. He's got to be out there every day. So nose hitting well, so that's not going to be a first base option right now. Yep. Um, do you see Larnett going back? Do you see Garlic maybe taking a break? Like, how would you approach this if you uh, are setting your roster and whatnot? I would certainly, uh, if someone had dropped Kirilov, I would certainly go after that. I mean, 63% hard hit rate is just bonkers. Yeah, like, he nuts. was. He was getting some bad luck at first, and then finally stuff was starting to drop or just go over the fence. He had a couple of those opposite field home runs. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy can hit. So um, I'd love to see Larnick stick with uh, with Kirill out there, but I just don't see it happening. You've got you've got Arias playing a bunch. You've got Kepler still there. I think if they're smart, they send Larnick back down and let him get every day at bats. I just don't think they want him to be a bench bat. But I actually liked what I what I saw from Larnick when I kind of looked at him in, in fab a couple weeks ago. I think he's got a lot of uh, – I think the raw power is for sure there. But I think in terms of fantasy, I think he's probably going to go back down. I think it's probably a good call for them. Um, so I'm probably uh, w- once uh, once Kirilov goes back, I think Larnick's probably a drop, unfortunately. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm thinking Larnick goes. You have Kirilov. You keep the right hand and bat and garlic up there and use the platoon situation. And you and you, you nailed what good teams do is you want the kid to get every day at bats. Sitting on the bench does no good at all. So, well, well the, t- the Twins are far from good right now. <laughs> that's true. I don't know if uh, everyone's heard it, and it's sometimes you don't want to listen to it. But CC Sabathia has one of the best two and a half minute rants ever Dude. about Larusa, awesome. and that's a very at awesome. the very end, he throws the twins under the bus. Oh, it was yeah. just oh, the it. He says, you guys don't deserve to throw behind someone because your team sucks. Become yeah. a better baseball team. Don't lose by 15 runs, and you want to yeah. throw behind someone. Don't uh, don't listen to the clip at work, or, or no, unless, no. Unless, you, unless you have headphones on. But uh, yeah. CC went fully all in and loose, and I, I have to say I agreed with almost all of it. It was just – and it, it was good to hear from a player that's not yes. like a guy who's – you know, he's, he's super young. And like you hear these guys talk about it. a guy that's a veteran played forever. And you know, you could, you could think maybe he has some old school mentality, but it just has a, just has a correct mentality. The whole yeah. thing is just so stupid. So it was yeah. a really good rant. I, I laughed. It was great. Yeah. Great to hear. I'm still waiting for the blow up in that clubhouse. Cause it has to come right. Cause Giolito and Anderson are not Giolito. It was a Lynn, Lynn yeah. and Anderson. They both spoke up in a very roundabout way of basically yeah. telling him to F off. So you it's going to be think really has any idea how to check Instagram though. True. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't have a, he still has a flip phone. Yeah. So <laughs> My, if he if you hit him up on MySpace, you probably get right at him though. <laughs> His best friend's Tom. Um <laughs> all right. Let if you older people will understand that. Yeah, sorry. I'm that sorry. was a bad joke for anybody under 20. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh let's go to the Dodgers here. Cody Ballinger, he is set to rehab, which is good because it looked like he had a setback there for a little while, but uh, things are back on track. The Dodgers could use him because everyone's getting hurt. So obviously you're playing Cody Ballinger when he's back. But the reason I bring this up is Matt Beattie was a popular guy this last week. You have McKinstry. And there's like, even though Beattie looked like he was playing, he has played half the games this week, maybe. It's still such a mess there. How do you, I stay away from the Dodgers pretty much, unless it's like the locked in players. How are you approaching them uh, in like these 15 team leagues where you might need a Beattie or something? You kind of took my answer for me. Like, I want yeah. Betts, Lux, Muncy, Turner, Belly. Uh, tell you what, Chris Taylor, 35 runs scored, yeah. uh, five home runs, five stolen bases, hard hit Easy. rate over 40%. OBP is 426, 16% walk rate right now. It's crazy what Chris Taylor's doing. But, you know, with the, the fact they added Pools and Satsugo made it even harder. Like, I would have, I think I would have liked Beatty because Beatty's a batting yeah. average guy that, you know, actually hit the majors. I wish they, with those spots, I wish they just kind of give him, him a, a run of at bats because I think, you know, what he hit 265 in 2019 and, a big chunk of my bats, almost 300 plate appearances, 270, something like that. He's at 283 so far this year. I, I wish they just would have given him a chance. I'd like to see him just hit every day, but it's pretty clear that aside those six guys, they're going to platoon the heck out of the other three spots. And I think I'm probably just kind of staying away and looking at other teams where I get full-time at bats. Just, just There's some talented guys here. And even Will Smith's frustrating because Boston yeah. Barnes pays a bunch and Smith's not hitting. So if you're going to play half the time, you know, you better hit when you do. But I think it's, 
I think it's hard to hit when you when you sit two three times a week too. I think it's hard to really get in a flow. And I think they're actually. I wonder if they're hurting Smith's development as a hitter just a little bit. I mean, the Dodgers are super smart, so you know, who am I to second guess them? But it seems like uh, it seems like they've really had something to Will Smith there, and it hasn't been there the first eight weeks. I think you're onto something there for sure, though. It makes sense. You kind of you said it with Larnick earlier. These they need to get everyday at bats. Smith yeah. he needs those everyday at bats. So it makes a lot of sense. The kid can hit. It's hard yeah. to hit when you're on the bench. So. Yep. 100% with you there. Uh, let's go to Kansas City now. Uh, Danny Duffy has a a um, flexor strain, which usually signals bad things. Uh, the re- reports came out uh, a couple of days afterwards. They said it wasn't that bad. He's actually doing good. He should start throwing here in a couple of days, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, he, the velocity was up, so that usually ticks the box of, oh, yep, here we go. Yep. But Chris Bubik is an interesting thing, at least for 15-team leagues. He uh, pitched off and on last year, had good days, had bad days. Made his first start this year. Looks good. He was decent out of the pen and long relief. I'd say in 15 teamers, he's probably worth something of a bid. But like, how interested are you guys like on Chris Buick, who we know can be both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, the disappointing thing is he pitches Sunday, I think, this week against Detroit. So if you're picking him up, you're picking him for next week. And he's at Minnesota, which oh, no. maybe looks great right now. But like a lefty going into target field, I don't really think I want that. I'll, I'll admit he just, you know, the ERA is obviously sparkling right now. And he pitched, he's been pitching really well. But I don't know. I look at a 13% walk rate. I look at a 20% K rate. I just, it was hard for me to get really excited about him. I mean, last year he was decent. What, he had a 4-3 yeah. ERA in, in 50 innings. Um, I don't know. He feels like a guy to me that if you're going to use him, it better be in a damn good matchup. And I don't think I want to do it at Minnesota, even though they've been scuffling. I just, I don't think I want to throw a lefty in target field and and have to, uh, and, you know, kind of a fringy lefty, I should say, in target field, just because, uh, if I could pick him up in a like a daily league, I'll pick him up for that start against Detroit. Sure, I'll, yeah. I'll stream. I'll stream that on Sunday, uh, but I'm not picking him up for a one at Minnesota. Yeah, a Detroit team of strikes out like 33 percent of the time versus lefties. Yeah, sign me up on that Crazy. one. But. Yeah. I'm surprised they're not one of the, the, the one of the no hit teams in Cleveland and Seattle and Texas. It's crazy. It's only May 20th. We've got time. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's uh, it's interesting. Like the thing with Bubik is, yeah, I don't want him against Minnesota, but in some of these leagues, it's been so hard to, to yeah. kind of decide who I want to add. It's almost like if I have no one else, I'll throw him for like a buck and just stash him for like maybe the following week or something. If I have to drop that him, I work. drop him. He's just interesting to me because he's last year it was either all or nothing in starts, so it could be tilting, but. He's got some upside, which is is quite interesting, yeah. at least for and Kansas that, City. And that's a good point. Like I look when I was looking at starters last week. Usually, I, I kind of keep a list, and I'm writing down, you know, tw- 10, 12 names I want to look at. I think I wrote down like four guys last week that yeah, I was like, it's getting even harder and harder. Remotely considering, there's a lot. Pitching is really good right now, but it's all the good guys they've been picked up. Like it, I had to, it was the first week all year where I had trouble even like finding guys to like look deeper at, which is a, yeah. never a good sign. Yeah, the last couple of weeks have been like that. And Vlad even said, sometimes that's a good thing. I was like, yeah, but it never makes me feel good. Like when I leave my computer going, there's got to be something I missed. Vlad, I'm Vlad usually has 13 healthy starters and never has yeah. any bad luck. So it, it, yeah. that helps too. Yeah, Vlad posted a picture of his main event team that had the last two no-hitters on back-to-back nights on the roster. So, yeah, life is tough. I, uh, I saw that. He, it got texted to me. It got <laughs> tweeted. I, I couldn't have missed it if I wanted to. <laughs> oh, that's what friends are for, though. I love him. Uh, I love him to yes, death. He's the best. He is the best. But uh, let's talk about some keeper cut questions. And it's for 12 and 15-team leagues. I think it's going to be more for 12-team leagues because yeah. uh, you guys will see pretty quickly you're pretty much keeping all of them in 15 because they have a pulse and some decent upside but uh, they're interesting players to discuss here. So let's kick it off. We kind of mentioned him earlier. Luis Castillo, one of the most popular names all over fantasy Twitter. It's been ugly. He couldn't have missed the production so far, but he did strike out 11 this last time, gave up three runs, even a home run, five innings. There's lots of improvements still to be made, but the fact he was getting those swings and misses and he looked pretty filthy when he was doing so is a bright spot. Um, 
we'll just you're keeping them in 15s for sure. 12 team leagues. I'm assuming you're still keeping them, Scott. But what's your level of concern to maybe potentially drop him? Yeah, and some of these guys, I might say, you know, like if you're in a trade league, like whether I want to, you know, buy high yes, or sell low. Point. So I think that I think that matters too because you probably I don't think anyone's dropping. Cassie actually got dropped in one of the main event leagues of 15 teamers. Someone probably just had enough and wasn't going to use him for two. But I think that's a mistake. I mean, big time. The toughest part about Castillo, I think, has been the fact that he was a second rounder. You're like, well, you know, it, what else could I have gotten there? Would it all have worked out? And like every single pitcher in that range has been dealing like Bueller, Burns, Woodruff, Flaherty, like Scherzer, everybody else you could have taken instead is absolutely just dominating. So that would, that's what makes it even, even tougher. But I took a lot of good out of that start. I mentioned the base runners are concerning, but uh, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of, he's got to figure out the strikeout stuff. I mean, the, the change up, the whiff rates from 40% down to 29%, but like you said, he was getting them last week. Uh, the four seam whiff rates down, like uh, down some, a bunch to a big chunk, like 10% also. Um, I guess I got to see it again this week. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to get building. The key thing is to me is the velocity still there. So I don't think he's like hiding an injury or something like that. It was down a little bit the first couple of starts, but he's, he's very clear that guy that it's been you know, talked about a bunch. He doesn't like the cold weather. Um, since it's warmed up a little bit. I mean, the guy's bad up is 391. Like he's gotten some bad luck there, but like we mentioned some hard hit balls. I don't think you could do anything. I think you have to hold him. I think you can't sell him low. I think you have to keep pitching him. And I, it, it comes to the point where, you took him the second round. If he's going to suck all year, like you're probably not going to win your league. It's, it's kind of one of those things. Like I think you're pot committed now. Some people disagree with that. Some people are like, well, I don't want to keep getting bitten by him. I'm one that uh, at this point it's May. I can't. I couldn't stomach him throwing a really good outing on my bench yet. So if we get to uh, if we get to say let's go um, let's go July first. If he's still bad July first, I might think about uh, benching him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him these next uh, next six weeks and kind of see where it uh, see where we're sitting in in a, in a while. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. He's got. Um... He's got the Cubs coming up. He's got uh, the Cardinals coming up, both on the road. So that'll be interesting <laughs> those, to see how that plays those out. Are, those don't fire me up too much, but no. But uh, you, you mentioned something there, and it's kind of my mantra. Someone I told, like I, I did a tweet just to have fun with it. Like, yes, I'm using Castillo this week, and someone's like, "You're crazy." I said, "You know what? What could we do worse to my ratios? At least I might be able to get yep. strikeouts and a win out of this. Like, yeah. I need to get something out of it. And knock on wood, it worked this time. It's probably we not going to work every a, time. We got a chance at twenty strikeouts this week too. I mean, he's got another yeah. start on Sundays facing the Brewers. Um, you know, if you get twenty strikeouts, I you know, I think you can deal with some issues. You don't want to sit that. Yeah, that's kind of that's where the philosophy was at. So we'll see how it continues on. But let's go to the guy that I was banging the drum for going into the season. He's the next uh, guy to join the big three. Might need to slow down on that mantra, but um, Lucas Giolito, he's been an interesting case this year. It started out okay, then he got blown up, and it's been a helicopter ride since then. Looked phenomenal against Minnesota. Looked like the Giolito of old, pretty much. I think we're finding good steps. One thing as I, I tell people is I listen to podcasts all day because I'm in my truck, and uh, Chris Rose has a new podcast on John Boy, and he's got a rotation, and Giolito's one of them. And he um, talks about how he thought he was tipping his pitches and how he's working on things to fix it. He kind of could see some developments here and there since that Boston start. But the thing I, he was on today's episode is he uses a um, a mental like vision testing thing to uh, help him stay focused. It was really weird. And he said he did that two days before this last start. And I'm not <laughs> saying that's the reason, but I'm like, maybe. I don't know. So back to G. Lito. What are you doing with him? I think he's totally fine. I'm, um, if I could buy him low in a league right now, I would. I don't. You probably can't do it after he strikes out eleven guys. But I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at pitchers, and like I think we want such instant gratification. But you, you just if he gets really hot, you know, all of a sudden he'll have an ERA in the what was the ERA last year? Three, four, eight, three, four, eight, something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, he's he's four three right now. That's like you know a good month of pitching. He's back to kind of where we're at. So I don't. 
You know the the fourth overall. I know you're banging that uh, banging that drum. Yeah. We may not get there you, no. with with eight weeks of the, uh, four and a half ERA. You're probably not going to get there. There's going to be so many pitchers are going to be way lower than that, especially in this season where everybody uh, everybody can uh, apparently pitch well. But you know, I think that you're going to he's going to be solid from here on out. I'd be really good. I think he'll be great. I think he'll be a top twenty guy from here on out. We're not going to get to top four, but um, you're not you're not benching him. You're not dropping him. You're not. Uh, I'm not trading him. I, if anything, I'd be buying him right now. Um, the K rate's down a little bit, but it's still 29%. It's not like he's struggling. Like, you know, Castillo's is down to 20%. Like, that's a big – that's a, that's a concerning number, whereas, you know, Giolito I think would be fine. Four, three, five ARA, you know, it's not – that's not killing you right now as long as you get some good starts coming up. I'm I'm totally fine with Giolito right now. Yeah, about three and a half to four more months of baseball. Yeah, he probably, so he probably, Yeah, he probably has like 20 to 25 more starts. Like, there's a lot of goodness to come out of that. So I'm with you there. Like I still have faith in him. And on the bright side, what it's going to do is he'll finish like as an SP like 10 or 12, which means I'll just buy back in next year. Right. For yeah. my SP. Like it's just, I get a discount again next year. Sweet. But if um, you, if you want a real positive, you look at someone like Jack Flaherty in 2019, I think yep. his area is like four, eight in July. Yep. Now granted, nobody's going to have the, quite the run that he had, but you know, you can, you can fix stuff. It just, if he's just, if he's really good for four months, his ERA will end up fine. So I think, yeah. uh, He's someone that's uh, someone on this list. I'm probably the least worried about of anybody you, you, that you have on this list. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's go to Washington. Josh Bell. This is the tough one because everyone saw the spring. They're all excited about him. All this good stuff. He had his fifth home run today, but it's been very, very up now. Still hitting below 200. Strikeout rates up. It's uh, very tilty when and he's kind of platooning with Ryan Zimmerman. That alone, that comment alone. To concern you. Yeah. Um, so what are you doing with Josh Bell? Because in 15s, I think you're still holding them, but 12s, I think it's at least a conversation. He'd actually be a trade target for me right now, I think. I'd I'd love to try and trade for him. Uh, you, you look at the BABIP is 200, but he's at 54% hard hit rate. Like, he's smoking the ball. It's going to have yeah. to turn around a little bit. He's not going to hit the ball that hard. I think it's pretty clear that he's a little bit of a different guy. He, he the K rates the last couple of years are way different than his first four years. He was a he was an under twenty percent strikeout guy in twenty sixteen through twenty nineteen. Now he's twenty six percent last year, twenty seven percent this year. So, you know maybe that uh, maybe the batting average uh, floor is a little lower than maybe we hoped for. But I think the I think the power will be there. You know you got, the the problem is the fly ball rate. I mean if he's got he's got to get that back. He he was kind of a fly ball issue guy at the beginning. And we're like can he hit the home runs? Then he jumped over. He's been under thirty percent the last two years. So it's kind of putting a cap on his home runs, but. With someone that's hitting the ball that hard that we've seen it from before, like that's a guy that has uh, a big trade target for me. Clearly not a drop. I'd love to grab him in a trade league if I could right now. And you mentioned a good thing. Looking at the Babbitt, it kind of will make you feel a little better. It's not like the end-all, be-all stat, but a guy yeah. that hits the ball as hard as he does, yeah. there's got to be some positive regression coming that way. And that's kind of like yeah. when you mentioned Kirilov earlier was doing that. I've talked about uh, – Vaughn a lot. He was just like that. It was it's your just boy, a matter of your time. boy, your boy Bobby Dalbach kind of fits in that yep. too. He's starting three run homer tonight. He's yep. uh he's hitting over three hundred the last ten games. Yeah. Like the dude is, they're young kids. They're gonna figure like, this stuff out eventually. Like you said, Babbitt is not the be all end all. If you see a guy the low Babbitt who's smoking the ball, like that's yep. gonna come around a little bit. I mean, it's yeah. just it's a long season. It's, I think people are still stuck in the sixty game sprint mindset. Hundred percent. It's gonna come around uh, for someone like Josh Bell as long as he keeps hitting the ball hard. It's just he's not going to hit a buck seventy three, and I, I think that I think you're going to look at it uh, in two months. He's going to have a really he's going to have a, a nice run here, and like in, in you know middle of July, the All Star break, I think his stats will look pretty good. Plus, it's going to start warming up, especially in Washington, where the ball yeah. flies out in the summertime. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of guys that don't like hitting in April, and you can't blame them. You know, don't blame hitting, them one bit. Hitting, hitting ninety six and when it's thirty eight degrees out is not a good time. I don't remember how many rain out snowstorms we've had this late in the year. Still, yeah. it's crazy. It is. So. We'll see. Now let's go back to Minnesota talking about rain out snowstorms. Uh, Kenta Maeda, this is a tough one. Like I avoided him this year because I thought the price was too high. It wasn't against him per se, but just the, like last year, the price was great. This year to me, it was too high, but um, he's looked lost most starts this year, pretty much all of them. 
what are you doing with a guy like Maeda? Because I am terrified of what I've seen out there. Yeah, this is probably the first one on the list where like I genuinely have some concern about the guy. I mean, as we get more into the season, you know, everything from 2020 kind of sticks out like a huge outlier, right? Like you had that 32% strikeout rate and now he's down to 19%. Everything just kind of – the walks were way down last year. Now they're back up a little bit. They're kind of not quite where they were in 2018, 2019. But he's a guy that I've always liked too, which is tough. I mean, he went up to move to the third round this year. I'm like, dude, we're looking at 66 innings last year. He was really, really good. But as we've seen a lot of guys right now – uh, you know, have a lot of innings that are really good that we know are going to, you know, have some regression the other way. So you can't drop him. I mean, you draft him in the third round, but he's not someone that I'd target. I mean, he has barrel rates up. His hard hit rate is jarring right now. It's It was 24% last year. It's 50, it's 45% right now. Like he's giving up a lot of hard contacts, getting a lot less strikeouts. That's a really bad formula right now. Strikeouts are down, walks are up, yep. home runs are up. It's just across the board. It's quite terrifying with what's taking place there, especially yeah, I mean, in the I- world world where the, we have so much less offense yeah that, that i mean the, the whiff rate on a splitter which was unreal yeah. last year is down 20 percent. it's 45 percent last year is 25 percent right now it's clearly they clearly either either guys are figuring him out that he's getting a scouting report adjusting or his pitch is not his pitches are not moving the, the same as they were last year yeah that's my biggest concern with him coming into the year if you looked at the you know you said 66 inning sample like that's yeah. already small enough but he was so efficient like ridiculously efficient. You just can't – to duplicate, that would have been asking yeah. a lot. So. The, the .75 whip. Every time I looked yeah. at him, I'm like, oh, my God, that's insane. He was awesome about, You want to compare a 200 Babbitt to a .75 whip, we can talk about stuff because yeah, it's going right. to go the other way eventually. For sure. Um, I mean, yeah, you look at Babbitt last year was 208. It's it's 350 right now. So I don't know. I mean, he's, I don't think he's a 5'2", 5'3", ERA guy, but uh, I don't think he ends the year under four. I don't think he, I I don't think he does say, enough. Yeah. I was about to say four or five, like a quality start guy, maybe like a six innings, three to four run start guy. But that's, that's one of those picks you took him in the third round. Like if he ends up at four and a half, that that is one that does yeah. kill you. Yep, that hurts big time. Um, let's go to another guy that was gaining steam towards the end of draft season. It was very tough for me to stomach. Like I saw part of the argument of, you know, former ace going basically free. At the same time as former ace just doesn't seem to have it anymore. But Patrick Corbin, we've seen both the good and the bad of late. We've seen the velocity up at times, the slider snapping off beautifully. We've seen the other starts where he looks like this guy's just giving up home run derby out there. It's been very, very tricky with him. I stayed away from him, but there's like people that I respect a lot that are smart with pitchers that think he's going to figure it out. So where do you sit on Patrick Corbin? It's funny because usually I love guys like this in draft. Usually I love someone that like he was really good, a couple, you know, whatever that was, that three year run. Then he had the he had the you know a blip in sixty five days. I'm like usually I'm back in on this, but then I look deeper and I was concerned. I mean, you look at his ex woba, ex slug, ex batting average, and ex ERA are all bottom ten percentile right now. Like his Statcast page is so freaking blue, it's crazy. Not good. And granted, that's not everything. And we're what forty one innings in, but you know the sinkers sinkers get killed right now. He throws that twenty eight percent of the time. Is it eight eighty three slugging against that pitch right now? Which is just horrendous. That's like turning everybody into a freaking video game all star. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, the whiff rate in the slider is still good. It's thirty six percent. And you look at twenty nineteen, it was fifty one percent. Uh, the thing that's weird to me is that his velocity is actually up a little bit from last year, and he's in line with 2018-2019 on the fastball, but his slider is two and a half miles an hour slower right now than it was in 2018-2019. So he's throwing the fastball the same. I know, if, I know if the slider's a little bit different pitch. He's not getting the same snap on it, but the fact that he's not throwing that as hard really concerns me. Uh, I'm out on Corbin right now. You know, I don't think you can drop – you can't drop him to 15. I'd probably give him another month and a 12, but not someone I'd try to get in a trade right now. He's uh, I, I'm a little concerned, especially with the fact that slider velocity is not picked back up. 
He's definitely a pick and choose your battle guy. Like yeah, I'm not gotta, throwing him out there matchup, every week. Matchups are big with him. You gotta you gotta find the right spots to use him and just and hope it's a day where the slider's working. Yeah, it's very very tilting for sure. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Lourdes Gurriel, who actually isn't playing on Thursday because he tweaked his ankle on Wednesday night, but he was starting to actually finally hit the ball. It was a really slow start to the year. But he's coming off of, uh, before last night, had a five-game hitting streak, multiple hit games in four straight games. Looked like he was slowly figuring out, and he's been a slow starter in the past, so kind of grain of salt situation. But there's so many options, and Springer's going to come back eventually. Maybe he becomes the odd man out. I don't know. Gurriel seems like one of those guys on the brink of a drop, possibly, in leagues. How do you approach him? Yeah, it's tough because I really liked him coming into yep. this year. I mean, he had uh, what he had thirty-one home runs in one hundred forty-three games between 2019 and 2020, and all the hard contact stuff looked great. He was over, you know, it was like forty-nine percent last year. Uh, I'm still a hold on him just because I, you know, I can't, I can't jump off yet. My concern with him is what you mentioned. I think when Springer comes back, you know, Grandel Grichik's been so good that uh, Gurriel's gotta gotta sit some games like there's just no way they can they cannot have Gritchick in the lineup uh, at, at least a little bit I think that uh, the concern for me is playing time the other concern with me is just not hitting the ball hard like he was over 45 percent hard hit the last last three years he's 35 percent right now and I just I, I, th- I think we saw it coming a little bit you mentioned he was on the five game hitting streak but uh yeah he's getting killed by breaking balls too he hit 347 against breaking balls last year's at 182 right now so I just don't know if I don't know if we're looking at a small sample uh, but I don't like what I see. And I, I kind of figure as I look deeper into him, I'd be like, oh, I think he's all right. But I didn't quite get there with him. So uh, I'm not dropping him yet uh, in a 15 or a 12. But if he starts to lose playing time in a 12, I think he kind of becomes a fringy guy really fast. Yeah, it's it's getting close. And I'm with you. I was really excited about him this year. I was even saying he'd be better than Teoscar Hernandez. So pretty much ready to take the L on that one already. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's go to Cleveland. Eddie Rosario, you signed with the Indians this year. And, you know, it, from a, from a – ballpark standpoint it should have benefited him even more being in cleveland but he has struggled tremendously like this he started out the season pretty good but it's been a, a cold spell for quite some time he has thrown in five stolen bases which yeah, is nice saved it but like it's getting towards the point where i literally have debated dropping him in 12 team leagues yeah he's become kind of a you know platoon guy for me in 12ers if he's got like a good matchup for the for the half week or for the week i'm throwing him in there but it's weird you look at him and like the home runs are there, but he's never been a guy who hits the ball really hard. Like he's never been above 36% as a hard hit rate guy, which kind of surprised me, you know, in the offseason when I was looking at him. Uh, fly ball rates under 30, under 40% right now, which is really hurting him. And home run to fly ball, he's had some bad luck there. He's 6.7%, but you're hitting less fly balls and you're hitting them less hard. Like that's not really a great formula that we're looking for for home runs. And I don't, I don't think you can count on those five stolen bases. I don't, I don't think you can extrapolate that to 20 on the year if we, you know, you know, look at 25%. But yeah, I think he's. I think he's still a hold in a fifteen to twelve, but he's a guy that in a twelve, I'm looking to pick up someone to uh, maybe platoon with him, maybe uh, maybe uh, you know figure out weeks where I don't want to use him. Um, but I think he's another guy that probably another another two or three weeks. I'm 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 starting to fear if he doesn't pick it up, he might be a drop in twelve. Yeah, it's like when they're starting to hit Jake Bowers over him in the order, it's kind of concerning to me. Jake, so two Jake Bowers mentions in one podcast is never a good thing. No, we should probably call it a day at that, but we'll continue <laughs> on. Um, Manny Margot had the monster postseason last year, and it really kind of got other people, non like deep, deep league players, onto the radar of Manny Margot, who they probably hadn't thought about since he was a pa- Padres prospect at yep. one point in time. But um, he was drafted pretty aggressively by certain people in the industry that I know, and I, I got him in a lot of leagues. But he's got four homers and four stolen bases on the year, hitting two thirty six, starting to you know five game hitting streak coming into today's action. The bright side is even when he's not hitting well, they still hit him like second or third almost every time. So he's in a a good part in the lineup. For me, I'm still holding on to him, but it's like certain weeks I don't want to play him, which really it's tough when you have all the injuries to keep holding that. 
Yeah, and especially the problem is you get the raise, and like it's a Monday, and you're like, who do I start this week? And he's out of the lineup. You're like, all right, what do I do now? I think the only the only thing answered here is you got to hold him because of the stolen bases. Like he just he already has four steals. He had twelve last year in forty seven games. He had twenty the year before. Um, I think steals are so hard to find on the waiver wire. I think you have to hold him and just kind of you know you're probably going to have some some days where he doesn't play, but. Uh, I think you got to hold him just because the stolen bases. Uh, solid K rate guy. I like that. You know, he's not striking out a lot, so he's you know, finding a way to hopefully get on base. He's got a 270 OBP, and we talk about stolen bases. It's hard to, hard to steal bases if you can't get there. Yeah, very, very tricky. And he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's been thrown out three times. He's converted four steals, so at least he's running, which is good. And he, you mentioned stolen bases. They're tough. Yeah, I've, I'm rostering Johnny VR all of a sudden, multiple leagues. So he's it's, balling right now. Is it yes. two, home run, two home runs this week? Is if he's playing every day in fantasy, I mean, yep. the, the, the key to him, I didn't like him in drafts, was he wasn't going to play very much. But yep. if he's playing every day, uh, you know, may not be great for real baseball, but for fantasy, I mean, that's a must. 100% with you on that one. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Steele's very, very tricky. Drew Smiley, uh, this is a guy I avoided like the plague. And to start out the year, it looks great. Really disastrous starts. But now he's had, including Thursday night, six, uh, three straight starts of six innings uh, pitched. Uh, all quality starts, even seven Ks on Thursday the velocity looks better, but I just can't get behind Drew Smiley. I know other people love him. Are you a Drew Smiley guy, or are you still just kind of like, I don't want anything to do with it? Yeah, I'm really not. Uh, I know he pitched pretty well today, but it was against Pittsburgh. Still gave three runs, but one 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 K or one walk and seven strikeouts is a, you know a good sign for Smiley because you always worry a little bit about the walks. But I mean, he's a ERA is at five point one one now after tonight's start. I mean, that's just that's not helping you. Uh, the 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 K rate in 2020 was what 26 innings just sticks out like a sore thumb. I was like 38%. He's down to 19%, probably be a little bit higher now after facing Pittsburgh, but you know, low 20% strikeout rate guy, uh, you know, 9% walk guy. I think he's a, I think he's a streamer for me right now. If uh, I dropped him, I picked him up at a 12 last or two weeks ago, used him once and then dropped him back. He wasn't supposed to face Pittsburgh. I think he was supposed to face someone else. And it, it kind of, I don't know if the Mets or someone, but I forget how it worked out, but I think he's a, uh, I think he's a, a 15 team hold just because pitching so bad, but I think a 12 team, he's a streamer and a guy that you got to play matchups with. Yep, hundred percent. A couple more here. Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies. I feel like Father Time has finally caught up with Charlie Blackman. The average is down. There's no power. He's not stealing bases. Um, the only reason why I keep saying to hold him is because of Coors Field. But now you have Jonathan Daza and company playing regularly and playing well. Is Blackman uh, on the chopping block for you? He's not for me just because I know that Coors warms up. In 2019, like, I think he had one home run the first like six weeks of the season. I had him that year in the main event, and I was like, what am I doing here? It was like a, I think he was a third-round pick. I was like, what's going on? He ended up with 32 home runs. Um, I guess the thing I like about him is he's hitting the ball harder than he did last year. Last year was a concern. He did not hit the ball hard very, very much last year. But 46% hard hit right now, 6.3% barrels, not huge, but the hard hit rate's pretty good. I just think in Coors – the average is going to have to come up. I mean, he's got a he's he's got a two sixty Fabit right now, so he's not getting super unlucky. But career he's three thirty five, obviously playing in cores. But cores isn't warmed up. Uh, you know, fly ball rates low, so I think maybe the home runs are going to be capped a little bit. But I just think batting average is going to have to come in cores field. I think that you know hitting in the first six weeks of cores field is just not cores field. We're going to get June, July, August coming up, and, and even September will be warm. Um, I think Blackman's probably someone that uh, definitely I hold. And if I'm in a league where someone's kind of sick of him, I think I might uh, try and get a discount on him. No, that's fair. Like I, I'm the same guy that says I'm probably done with Blackman, but I've added Fuentes and Ra- and Daza and stuff in other right. leagues. So yeah. you know, it's just you know that's that's where we're at in 2021. And he's uh, he's 34. It feels like he's 38, but he's only yeah, 34. It feels like he's been around forever. I just I don't know, he's one of those guys that you know he's hit uh, he's hit over 290 for five years in a row. I think a, a batting average is going to have to come. I think it's a, he's a good guy to be patient on and a good guy to try and grab if someone is kind of tired of him. Yeah, I know a lot of people are tired of him, so go try yeah, to trade for him. That's for sure. very, very true. And we always talk about we always talk about buy lows, and usually it's on guys you're never going to buy low on. You can't, nobody's going to give them up. But I think Blackman's a guy that 
Um, you know, it's 34 veteran people, not that exciting anymore that I think you might be able to, uh, might be able to snag for, you know, 60% of his draft price or something like that. Yeah. I think most of these guys we talked about, you could get at a nice discount, even like Luis Castillo and stuff. So yeah, would, would be quite interesting. Um, Lorenzo Kane, the Milwaukee Brewers offense is dreadful, but, uh, they keep <laughs> again. It's so bad. And they actually have guys on the, if you look at the lineup card, like, okay, this isn't horrible. Like they should be good a little bit. They're not. Um, low Kane keeps playing every day, but he's just not producing 208 average. Um, a little bit of power. He's yes, three steals isn't bad for Low Kane, but you know, Avisal Garcia is still a better off with Yelich is back. Yep. They have Tyron Taylor, who I'd just let him go right about now and see what he's got. Uh, what do you do with a guy like Low Kane? Yeah, he's uh, one of these guys listed. I'm in a 12 team, or if you can find a better outfielder, I'm okay. Get him. The only, the only, the only good sign is the three stolen bases. Like if he is gonna run, you know, and maybe he he didn't play last year. He played five games, then he opted out. So maybe a little rust here. Um, but the K rate's up. Like he's a guy that did back up. He was like 70 percent in 2019 when he was still pretty good. He hit 260 with 18 steals. It's up to 19 percent. He is walking, but if you know if you're gonna get like this, it's not gonna hit a, a ton of pop. Um, you don't want that many strikeouts. It's tough. He's he's one of those guys that's really on the edge for me. Uh, you know, hard hit rate's okay at 39%, but everybody has a hard hit rate, even though the ball's not traveling. The, the exit velocity is pretty good. I don't know. I guess if he's going to steal 15 to 20, he works, but he better darn do that because the home runs yeah. aren't coming. I think that, you know, fly ball rate's really low. I just, I'm not excited about Kane right now. I wouldn't try and get him. And if, you, if you're in a 12 team or someone good gets dropped, I think I'm fine making that swap. All right. This is probably a buy low guy. Dom Smith started out really slow. He was hurt a little bit, platooning a little bit. Starts it appears he's picking things back up again. Um, we saw what he did last year in the shortened season. Is he a guy that you'd be trying to acquire, or are you thinking um, not this season? And it's weird because we talked about Maeda, like how much that 2020 sticks out. Dom Smith's kind of that guy too when you look at his contact numbers. I mean, 13% barrel guy last year had never been above 8%. He's back to 7.5%. He was a 47% hard hit rate guy, never been above 42%. Now he's down to 34%. But, you know, he's kind of been in that lineup. The Mets kind of been jerking around a little bit because he, you know, at the beginning of the year, he's sitting against lefties. They're so injured right now that they have to play him every day. I mean, everybody they throw out there gets hurt. It's crazy. McNeil, Conforto, and Kevin Pillar just just this week. Like since Monday, they've got three outfielders that got hurt. So he's playing every day. Um, I don't know. The K rate's up. He's not what I'm not what I'm really going out to be excited about. I'm going to hold him if I have him because I think you know there's enough in 2020 that makes me excited enough that I want to hold him. But not someone I'm looking to aggressively target and trade right now. I just uh, I, I don't know if that 2020 was real or just kind of sticks out as a you know a 50 game really hot streak. Yeah, no, he's a tough one. I wasn't drafting him this year because I was kind of wondering. He, it was more like prove it to me on a full season type thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and the playing time was a major concern as well. And, heck, P- Pete Alonso's battling an injury now too. So, you got, I mean, we crazy. talked about their pitchers earlier. Like their hitters are just as bad. Yeah. Crazy McNeil and Conforto the same day. It's just, yeah. it, it's, I don't know. The Mets, uh, they're under some curse and I don't know. Maybe they'll get lifted someday. I don't know. Mets going to Mets. Uh, two, <laughs> more, two more here. Alec Baum started out the year very strong been ugly since then he's even been in a platoon with brad miller that should tell you a lot of what you need to know he was 0 for 4 on thursday night with three more strikeouts i've been benching him places and really close to cutting him in places but i know the potential's there but it's really getting close to cut time so what's your thoughts on alec Baum? yeah i mean it's tough with you know a second year guy you know you you did they had no there was no book on him last year and he came up and, and raked to get what 340 granted the bavik was insane but we i think we saw a lot of good stuff from last year hit the ball really hard I just wonder if guys have a book on him and he needs to adjust back. Like he's a, he was a guy in the minors that struck out 15% of the time, like a really good strikeout guy. Last year was 20. You kind of expect that bump up his first time around the majors, but um, you mentioned tonight he struck out three times. He's at 28% right now. Like that's a big number for a guy that, you know, I don't think we're looking at, you know, 35 home run power, but a guy that you want line drives to all fields, going to hit some home runs, going to hit for some batting average. And 
it's tough right now. I think he's at the point of his career right now where he needs to adjust back. I think teams have adjusted to him. Um, you know, he's got he doesn't he's hitting the ball hard when he hits it. He's got a fifty percent hard hit rate. So that's probably enough for me to hold on to him right there. I think the draft capital. I know that doesn't really matter, but it's still in May. I think that uh, if I liked him enough to draft him at the price, I think I'm holding on for now. But he's a guy that is, is way more fringy than I thought he'd be at this point of the year. Yeah, it, it's a weird one with Alec Baum. So. Yeah, I think he's going to be getting dropped in one of my leagues pretty soon, and I'm regretting it. It has the feels of a few years back when I dropped Matt Carpenter, and then he figured oh. it out. Like, I remember it, it was funny that year. Carpenter couldn't do anything, but he was hitting the ball hard, and yeah. I remember that year he got dropped in the last spots and like didn't make it out for like three months. Yeah, that was I, it haunts me to this day. Um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd hold, I'd, I'd hold, uh, I'd hold Bomb uh, two more weeks. Yeah, it's, it's getting real close, though. Uh, the last one here, I am very anti-Chris Paddock. I've, I've voiced that opinion very much so. But he's had back-to-back pretty decent starts, but only four innings and three innings in those. He's not, he hasn't gone over five and a third in any start this year. Are you in, out, drop, hold, Chris Paddock? Uh, I'm out, but like if I have him, I've got to I've got to hold him. I don't think you do it quite yet. But I mean, look at the K rate; it's you know 26.9 percent in 2019, 23.7 percent last year, and 21.1 percent this year. I think that we talk about adjusting and kind of a, a getting a book on a guy. I mean, he's a guy that has two pitches. Like he throws the he throws the curveball a little bit, and it's good when he throws it. But it's just he throws it so so rarely that you can kind of just throw it out. He's a fastball changeup guy as a starter. I think it's hard to go deep. I think third time the lineup's an issue there, and that's probably why the Padres have not you know extended him too far. He solved some of the uh, the hard contact stuff last year. He just got smoked. I mean, his, his hard hit rate was insane last year. He's down to thirty six percent, but still a nine point five percent barrel. So he's looking up a lot of a lot of loud, loud contact. The velo's up. The strand rates hurt him a little bit. So I'm still a hold. But he was someone that uh, I thought I'd be in on this year, big time. I thought that like the blip last year, I'd be like, I'm going to buy in on that. Another guy, kind of like Patrick Corbin, I looked deeper and I'm like, I just don't want to draft this guy where he's getting in. He still had a lot of hype to him. He still uh, still was getting drafted pretty high. I think it was like a you know eighth, ninth, tenth rounder and a fifteen teamer. Um, swinging strike rate is down a little bit too, so that concerns me. It's down to ten point nine percent. I just feel like he's a guy right now that's like kind of okay and can be good some days, but not someone that I'd aggressively try and try and get. I wouldn't drop him yet, but uh, I'm not super fired up if I have him either. Yeah, it's really tough because you know you got Coors Field on the schedule, you got the Dodgers. Heck, you got the Giants offense now. Yeah. So it's not it's not looking you, easy. You joke, but I mean, tell you what, yeah. they it's hard. To, I remember, I think it was I don't remember who it was. It was someone. I was Gomber. I got picked up Gomber. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh I was Giant, with you. Giants in Arizona road starts. I'm like, absolutely. Until I realized that you know you got to you got to change that mindset. The Giants right now are not the Giants that we've had the last couple of years. I mean, especially against lefties. I mean, like uh, Gomber had nothing that night anyway. We can we can talk yeah. an hour about that start. Like I went back and watched to try to figure out exactly what bad. happened. He just had nothing. Like he left his he left more curveballs up in the zone than any pitcher I've seen ever in the majors. Like he just had no stuff that night, and he was he was going to get pounded by anybody. But you got to. It, it's really important. It's May twentieth. You have to adjust to different lineups. I mean, yep. and you look at there's just teams that are different than we thought they were eight weeks ago, and the Giants are one of them right now. Yeah, now you look at Gomber's last two starts against the Padres, and you just want to yell at the sky. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. no doubt. I'm not. Uh, are, you, are you going back in this week? I don't know yet. I, got, I dropped. Two- I dropped him most places, but uh, I have him on right. some still. I have him on some still just because it's been weird, and I there's a chance. There's a chance at, I'll get suckered uh, at, in at Mets at Pittsburgh. A beat up Mets team in the pot. Yeah, I'll get suckered in. So which team blows up on him? That's the question. Probably Pittsburgh. Yeah, probably. No, probably the Mets, the depleted Mets with Khalil right. Lee and all these other guys that it felt like the movie Major League, like who the F are these guys when the lineup <laughs> came out? <laughs> That'll be who it is. A um, couple of listener questions here, and then we'll head on out. Um, our buddy David Mendelson, you were on the Triple Play Fantasy podcast recently. Good group of guys over there. It was a very fun show. They do a great job. I love those guys. Yeah, they're getting better and better uh, every time out there. Um, as the man who stumped the Schwab, I'll oh, respect God. whichever way you answer this question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Not a chance. 
I'm with you there. I've never you? Understood. You say no also? It's not a sandwich. I've never understood it. It's that, it's, like, are it's you calling a taco a sandwich then? Yeah. Um, since you mentioned Khalil Lee, um, he still hasn't, uh, he still has a hundred percent K rate. Oh man. But Hey, it's, is he the new Billy Hamilton? He steals everything. He's got to get on base. Though. He has eight at bats. He has eight strikeouts. I think we could do that, Scott. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay down a bunt and have an 87, 87 strikeout right now. Yeah, if I'm that. him, if I'm him, and I'm at the hotel room tonight, and I can see that stat. My first at bat is a bunt. Okay. You got to make contact, right? Like that's 100 yeah. percent K rate. Uh, it's it's that's pretty rough. funny to see. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, phony front office ninety nine asks, "How are you guys feeling about Dylan Cease? That spin rate is looking legit. He's been better this year, that's for sure." He was someone that I wasn't really in on. I tend not to be in on guys who I really, really worry about the walks. And, yeah. um, you know, sometimes that sometimes that bites me. I get that. But uh, it's weird how much the strikeouts have bumped up. What is he? he was 17.5% last year. He's 30, 23%, 29% right now. But the walks are still there. He's walking 4.4 guys per nine. Um, yeah, I think that if I have him, I'm certainly holding him right now. But he's not someone that I'm like, going to buy high on. I know the ERA is 2-4, and he's looked really good. And the team's really good, too. Um, you know, unless LaRusso does something stupid and blows them up. But, um, you know, the, the he's got some home run luck right now. He was a guy that gave up a lot of home runs the last couple of years. And he's like at a, a .65 home runs per nine guy right now. The home runs for fly ball are 7% after they were 18 and 21. So I think some uh, I think some bad luck's coming his way. I think that he's more solid than I thought he'd be. I kind of take the loss on that one, but probably not someone I'm looking to acquire high right now. No, I was, I was with you in draft season. It's like I knew the talent was good. The stuff yeah. was good. But like the, the – the wildness, the ineffectiveness yep. was scaring the snot out of me. And, and so, that's guys, I mean, guys that throw that hard, you know, at some point it just takes the one thing for it to come. But he's, it's interesting. He's down a mile and a half uh, on his fastball. You wonder maybe if he's, if that's a thing or he's just pulling back a little bit, trying to have a little more command, which is probably a really good thing. Cause if you throw 96, you know, that's going to be good enough. So good. Yeah. I mean, and he's throwing, he's throwing a slider just as hard. So I wonder if it's kind of a, uh, a thing pulling back a little bit, trying to uh, control that pitch a little more. Definitely could be something. Uh, Drew at Fru underscore Dorte asks, uh, is Brendan Rodgers a difference maker rest of season in a 12-team league? Because he is coming back soon, but it is the Rockies, Scott. That's the answer I was going to give. It is the Rockies. <laughs> um, I just I just wonder, like, what are you what are you looking for from Brendan Rodgers? Like, even if you look at the AAA numbers are so insane. They play in such a, a, a hitter's park. I know he hit 350 there in 2019, but, like, I don't know. He, he showed some pop in 2018 in AA. I just – I don't trust the – where does he play right now? Like, uh, yep. Hampson's in center. Um, you know, you got McMahon, you got CJ Crone at first. Like, I just don't know where he fully fits in right now. So I, I think that if he plays every day, sure, it's exciting. I don't know if he can stay on the field either. I mean, he's a guy that True. always something going on. And, and you know, I know the injuries sometimes are fluky, but it seems like there's always something with Brendan Rodgers for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can stash him in a deeper league, I think you'd do it. But, I mean, he swings and misses a lot. The, the, the swing strike rate in the majors was like 15.5% when he came up in 2019. And then we came in 2020, but that was only 21 plate appearances. But I don't know. I'm not super excited about it. But, yeah, I mean, prospect pedigree, you know, these guys eventually, uh, you know, these guys that are that super prospect usually hit at some point. But I don't know. If I could stash him in deep league maybe, but it's not someone I'm, like, really trying to get aggressively right now. Yeah, I like Brendan Rodgers as the player, but we just don't know. Like you said, where is he going to play? When is he going to play? How long is he going to play? If they trade Trevor Story, then, yes, I think he's going to be a yeah. very interesting aspect. Yeah. But And they, they they very well may do that. I mean, they have yeah. zero chance in that division. There's now three really good teams ahead of them, and they, they're so far away from being good, and they, they're such a mess right now. And you know, the Arenado trade was so weird as it so was. Bad. but. Um, they got a trade story. I hate to see it. I, I have Trevor yeah. Story in the main event. And taking him out of Coros will suck, but I think it, putting him in a great lineup will be a good thing anyway. But um, I don't know. Got to pull the trigger at some point on him because I, I, I just can't fathom they signed him a long-term deal right now. No, no, they, they can't do it. Uh, Rob DiPietro, the Deadpool hitter, he asks, NFBC second chance leagues, what's your strategy for the first couple of rounds? 
So I'm terrible at this because I don't play second chance leagues. Um, I never have. I'm just one that like I have my teams. I know how much time it takes me to to run my teams. I probably usually don't add to that mix in the midseason. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the the obvious strategies you want to get guys who are you know first and second round picks who are struggling that are maybe third and fourth round picks. But I think everybody's going to do that. So to some of those guys go out the window. But um, it's weird. It's hard right now. I mean, usually we're so worried about pitcher injuries and like the top mm-hmm. the first two rounds is all hitter injuries. Like everybody's everybody's out at the top, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm trying to get, uh, I'm probably trying to get guys who are playing well, but not way over their head right now. You want guys that are healthy, looking good, but not someone who's going crazy. And, you know, that's probably a strategy everybody uses, but I'm probably not the best person for that because I never, I never end up playing them. So I just don't, yeah, I have my time on Sunday that I spent on fab and uh, I'm just not looking to add to it at the moment because I'm trying not to get divorced. Yeah, 100% with you. That's <laughs> the best way I say it. Like I already am t- running the tightrope as it is. Oh, yeah. I think um, throwing anything else into the table is probably a bad idea. Yeah. But and, and Rob is funny because he's in a group chat I'm in, and he someone asked about, "Hey, you guys signed up for the uh, the Memorial Day leagues?" And he says, "Are there any DCs? Because I can't take on more Fab either." <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. It's, Rob, uh, it's, Rob appears to be the nicest guy in the world. I was on Jeff and I yeah. did his pod. Jeff Erickson, I did his podcast uh, in the preseason. He seems to be like the nicest dude ever. So I'm, I'm looking good. forward to uh, looking forward to in person drafts next year. If we can get everybody out to Vegas in March, even if you don't draft main event, I get main events really expensive. Like you can argue that on Twitter all you want, but like yeah. if you come out for the weekend and just hang out. It is such a fun time. And I know there's some, you know, NFBC, anti-NFBC stuff. There's none of that in Vegas. Like, everybody just hangs out. It's fun. Um, anybody can get out there for live drafts. Even if you're not drafting a really expensive team, it's a really fun time. And I, I'm, I'm one who's, like, really bad at meeting people the first time I meet them. And it's never been an issue. Like, I, it, everybody's so nice and fun. It's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think I might try to sneak out if I can because I'm not going to be pulling the main event trigger. But I've heard rumblings they might start doing some live OCs potentially. Yeah, they're in the they, same they, deal. They have it. They have in the past, and it's always a uh, it's always kind of a weird thing. Like, is it you know is it worth renting the rooms for all that uh, yeah. you know for that kind of stuff? But they did. They've tried to get like the high stakes twelve and just kind of never stick. So I, I, if they did some OCs, it'd be fun. But even if you don't like yeah. getting out there, I know people that come out and they draft the main event, but they do it online the week before. And they just come out to hang out. It's just a yeah. uh, it's a really good time full of really good and nice people. Yep, I'll, uh, I'll try to make that work for sure. The last sure. question we have here is for from Tim Wyatt. He asked, besides Wander Franco, what other prospects are worth stashing that we could see? And I'm kind of like you as I'm bad at this. I don't like stashing prospects, but like Manoa's there. There's a couple other guys. Yeah, I'm not the best this either because I'm not really a prospect guy. I play mostly redrafts, so I'm like you. Know, and I play NFBC mostly, so I don't really have to stash them because you, you can't pick you can't pick guys up until they add 40-man roster. But I mean, I guess you're looking at uh, someone like uh, Jaron Duran right now in Boston. Uh, for the he's hitting for Worcester, hitting really well. He's uh, he got five home runs, three stolen bases already. So he's probably someone that the second he you know, there's sort of rumblings about calling him up. Uh, you, if you're going to stash him, it's probably too late for a name like that right now. Um, Alec Manoa, I picked up, and I do have one daily league that I play uh, Yahoo Friends of Family with a bunch of like industry people. And I picked up, uh, I picked up Manoa a couple weeks ago. I think they have to put him in stripling spot. Yeah. I know that there's been some stuff. I think Pitcherlist had an article that they don't think they're going to do it right away, but. Man, after Stripling was so bad again this week, and Manoa was really good. I think it was last night that Manoa pitched again. And then uh, Steven Matz was bad again tonight, too. Like the, the, the Jays are so close to being really good. Just a matter of getting a little bit of starting pitching. And I think they'll probably trade for someone, too. I think they're a prime team for that. But they're often starting to click. Um, you know, Vladdy looks like an MVP guy right now. And just, you know, if they get Springer back, that's a team that one or two starting pitchers, and they might be a legit contender, like to go deep in the playoffs, too. And I think that, uh, I think Manoa, another good start. You know, I think it was last night or Tuesday night AAA. I think he's a guy that I'd be attacking right now. Jaron Duran. I just don't know where the Red Sox would play him right now, but you know, they 
they like Kike Hernandez probably more than anybody else does. It seems like they really like him. I like him, but like they're hitting the weight off every day. Yeah, yeah, they really love the guy, and I think he's a good locker room guy too. I think that helps a lot too. But um, Duran and Manoa are probably like at the top of that list right now that uh, that I'd probably look at. And then uh, you know people always ask me about A's pitchers too, and I don't you know Dalton Jeffries got hurt too, so I don't think that's really a, a thing right now. Uh, you know James Caprillion I think looked really good in his first start, and I picked him up in a couple deeper leagues just because you know starting pitcher with a pulse on a good team, pitching a good park. Um, if you're in a 12 teamer, Caprillion was not picked up last week. I think watch his start tomorrow night against the Angels. He pitches well again next week. I think he might solidify that spot. You know Lazardo's still just starting to throw from 60 feet. He's still three or four weeks away. I'm going to be really cautious with him. Uh, Mike Fires is bad and hurt, so there's that combo too. I think Caprillion's a guy that could have a little bit of a runway to maybe start the next three or four weeks and someone that uh, looked good kind of makeup-wise and pitch-wise. I know he struggled a couple of those innings. He could have been really bad. Like the first and fifth inning were really bad. He got out of them. He got really lucky, but I think he kind of showed me something. He had some just strikeout pitches there too that looked good. He's a guy that's been so injured. I'd love to see him get a chance. I think he does have one right now on a good team in a good park. So he's probably someone that is up already, but I'd look at this week and maybe look to pick at 12ers uh, this week. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Uh, when I've looked at these lists before, most of them are in the American League. So that's one thing to give you guys a heads up. Just don't even look at the National League prospects. And um, That's weird. I wonder why that is. That's strange. Yeah, I don't know, but it's just that like we, we were going through them I don't know, a couple weeks ago or something, and it's like I think 9 out of 10 were all in the American League. Huh, it was wild. just It was really bizarre. But in, in the grand scheme of things, most of these guys aren't coming up anytime soon unless a team's very desperate. So can just keep I, that. Can I, can I ask you about a guy that kind of fits in here? Oh, yes, please do it. I think I know what? where you're going. No, you probably don't. What the heck do you do with Bobby Witt Jr.? If you, oh, okay. Well, that's a great question. If you, because there's a lot of people, like, they it was weird. Like, we drafted in, you know, if you drafted late March, the main events all in late March, he was like rumblings of him breaking camp with the team. And then Mondesi misses the first eight weeks and he still doesn't get called up. So like any of those rumblings were clearly BS because they had a perfect yeah. time to use him. Nicky Lopez is not good. Um, the fact they didn't call him up now means they clearly were never going to call him up. Like he was never yeah. going to break him. I, and I get it. He had very few at bats in was it rookie ball in 2019. So they never really seen him. But what do you do if you, uh, if you own a uh, in wit in either a 12 or 15 teamer right now, what do you do with him? I think you have to hold for now, but it's terrifying because Adalberto's coming back soon. He's starting to rehab already. And if he stays healthy, which is an if, it was a big yeah. if. Um, he's going to obviously play every day, so where does he go from there? Because, yeah, Nicky Lopez is bad. I said the second Mondesi got hurt, why don't you let uh, Wick get majorly at bats, and I got roasted for it by so many prospect people. That was a bad idea. Um, but I said they said Nicky Lopez is seasoned and better. I was like, okay, whatever you at, say. At, at what? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I said. Like, what, holding his glove on his hand? I don't know. But, um, it's but you, bad. Look, you look at the team, though, and like you're like, oh, we'll just put Merrifield in the outfield. But, you know, they got Ben Attendee, They got Soler. They got Michael Taylor, who's not great, but, you know, plays – plays the job done. Yeah, and plays some good defense out there. And you, you still have Hunter Dozier coming back. You got to find a spot for him. Like, I just – they're a weird team, and they're not, they're not full of superstars, but they got a little bit of depth. And I just yeah. – if they weren't going to call up Witt when Mondesi was out yeah. – I just I, I, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation right you now. It's hard to kind of figure out. You almost have to drop him. It feels like if Montesi gets hurt again, maybe they do it because then it's June or July, maybe. But by then, you might have needed that roster spot for sure. So yeah, I mean, it's tricky. It's real tricky. Like I, this is why I didn't draft him to begin with because I just hate, hate this headache. Yeah. But and not only that, hitting a buck well, seventy three so far in yeah, twenty in, in, gives in, them an excuse. It's only it does. That's the thing. It's it's a sixty plate appearance. Who cares? He has six stolen bases, which is sweet. But just gives them an excuse to be like, we told you he had thirty seven games at rookie ball. He needs some seasoning. And um, I don't know. I think like all star breaks the earliest for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it might even launch into September at this pace. Who did but, you think? Uh, who did you think I was going to ask you about, uh, Luciano I thought, uh, or, or Helio Ramos? Okay. Uh, I love those kids. Like the, I, that's why, as a Giants fan, I told you I wasn't looking forward to this year. I'm like a year or two away, going, "This is gonna be fun." 
But uh, Luciano hit two more homers yesterday. Like it's it's. I got to get to San, uh, San Jose quick. He's probably a twenty two twenty two and two guy though, right? Yeah, yeah. I got to get to San Jose quick. He's in he's in low ball. There's like four guys down there in low A right now. Whew, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's a fun, a fun little park. I used to like going to games there. Yeah. I love going there. I, I'm kind of mad that they, they the whole trends now they're low A instead of high A, which kind of stinks, but is what it is. Yeah. So, Major League Baseball as a whole, another podcast. Oh yeah, that's we could do hours on that. Yeah, but uh, we'll wrap it up there, Scott. It is always a pleasure chatting with you. Before we take off again, remind everybody what you got going on where they can find you. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Always fun to talk uh, baseball with you. Uh, yeah, you can find us on the uh, Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast Sunday night slash Monday morning, depending on where you are, what time zone you're in. But we usually uh, we post that about uh, about ten thirty or eleven o'clock on Sunday night, so it's uh, ready for everybody's uh, stream on on Monday morning. Talking a lot of weekend stuff, wrapping up uh, Fab, and you know we talk a lot of NFPC, but most of that stuff goes for all leagues, and we try and uh, we try and hit twelves and fifteen. So kind of any any depth you're in, we can work on. And then uh, Tuesday afternoons, I'm doing the uh, the gaming golf podcast with jeff ritter and jeff erickson to talking uh whatever the golf tournament is coming up uh, to talking there but other than that you can find me on twitter at scott jensen always uh talking about baseball once the basketball once the warriors are out uh, i'll talk a lot more baseball i uh i apologize for all the steph curry tweets my favorite athlete and i'm a big warriors fan but uh so if you're gonna if you can just mute me on those uh, we can talk a lot of baseball but uh a lot of uh, a lot of good fun talking there i love talking baseball there so definitely hit me up on there follow me on there um, i don't always post a ton but i'll definitely will respond and talk baseball with you if you reach out so it's uh Always a good resource for that. Yeah, Scott's one of the good ones, so make sure you, you you take him up on that offer. And also, don't apologize. Curry is worth every tweet. Like, the dude is – I remember when the season started out, the Warriors were supposed to be nothing because of all the injuries. And look what, he, look what he's done. Like, yes. it's ridiculous. <laughs> these, these, these last two months have been, like, just the most fun. Watching one guy – I mean, it's not as yeah. – 2016, 2015 was still the most fun because that team was so good. But uh, this, like, two-month run has been unlike anything I've seen. He, he takes shots that nobody should ever take, and they go in. It's just – I just kind of roll my wife's like, you're not excited about that. I'm like, I just, I just don't, I don't know how he made, I don't know how he made that shot. It was a terrible shot. It just goes yeah, in. He, it's, it's like he should never have taken that shot. No. You should be benched right now for taking yeah. that shot. Like his no, dad no. is probably yelling. Like I would have benched you son. <laughs> and, and it goes in like three times yeah. in a row. You're just like, all right, whatever. I mean, there's nobody in the world that could shoot it, but you should do it. And it's, uh, yep. it's been a lot of fun. A great guy. Like it's just, it's just been a blast. So it's, yep. uh, it's been a fun little run here and uh, hopefully they can win tomorrow night and at least, uh, at least give Utah, you know, a little bit of a scare, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, they're gonna win. They're gonna play Utah. It's gonna be fun. Don the Spider versus Curry will be yeah. it'll be a good time. So yeah, if, Utah like, Utah's lost four times at home all year or something like that. It's gonna be, it's really tough. I think they had a better shot against Phoenix maybe to go to go six or seven games, but uh, Utah's gonna be tough. But I hope they get there. I think yep. you know more uh, more Curry games are good, and I think Adam Silver agrees with me on that. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow it goes like six. Just, yeah, just nice. throwing it out there. Yeah. Just we know how the NBA are you, operates. Are you an NBC NBA conspiracy guy? You sound like I'm that. a diehard Sacramento Kings fan. So yes. Oh God, I was at those games. That so, yes. uh, that one game is about as much of a travesty as there's been. Uh-huh. I, that I'm not a conspiracy guy at all. And that game was so horrendously wrapped yeah. that you're just like, oh my God, what's going on here? Yeah, I try to keep it simple. Like Angel Hernandez is bad and stuff like that. <laughs> I, try, I try to yeah. like ignore it, but sitting there and watching that game and then seeing the replays of that game, it's just like. I am. I'm the last person <laughs> in the world to blame refs or blame that. And that was an yeah. atrocious game. That is, it's, as a as a Kings fan, they deserve to win one of those. I love that that team. I'm never a Kings so fan, but that good. team was so fun to watch. Yeah, and they're never going to get that again. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad Weber got the call of the hall because I think people forget how damn good he was. He was amazing. That yeah. team was good. There's something else, but we'll wrap it up there. Everyone, check out Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Jensted. And obviously, if you listen to this show, everyone listens to the, the Road to Wire podcast. So no, we're good uh, there. no, no underscore though. Oh, sorry. Scott Jenstead on Twitter. So, yeah, go check that out. You won't find him with the underscore. (laughs) But, uh, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 372. We'll catch you guys next time.